Our text this morning comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 16 to 21. From now on, therefore, we regard no one from a human point of view, even though we once knew Christ from a human point of view, we know him no longer in that way. So if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. All of this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting the message of reconciliation to us. So we are ambassadors for Christ, since God is making his appeal through us. We entreat you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our, names, for our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. First things first, this scripture begins with the word therefore. As Elizabeth read to us, from now on, therefore. And I've told you before that I had a professor who taught us, he said, whenever the word therefore appears in scripture, ask what the therefore is there for. And in this case, the therefore that Paul uses is preceded by four chapters of correspondence of what we call the second letter to the Corinthians. Before that, there are 16 chapters of correspondence in what we call the first letter to the Corinthians. 20 chapters that Paul has written to this church in Corinth that make it very evident when you read Corinthians that they have a rocky relationship. I want you to know 1st and 2nd Corinthians are not love letters. Uh, Paul clearly had a, a, a difficult relationship with the folks in Corinth. In one preacher's alliterative words, the people in Corinth were filled with factions and frictions, with conflicts and confrontations. The church in Corinth was Paul's problem child church. And after he has spilled 20 chapters of ink, trying to help them from imploding, he says, from now on, therefore, I beg you to be reconciled to one another and to God and to be ambassadors for reconciliation. Now, it's ironic, to say the least, who is begging us to be ambassadors for reconciliation. It's Mr. Search and Destroy himself, all right? Before Saul became Paul, Saul wasn't about the business of bringing Christians and Jews together. In fact, he was about the business of putting Christians to death. In the book of Acts, when we first meet Saul slash Paul, quote, he's breathing threats and murder against the disciples 
of the Lord. He's Mr. Divide and Conquer, all right? Not an ambassador of reconciliation. But if you know your Bible, you know that one day on the Damascus Road, Paul was encountered by the risen Lord Jesus Christ who knocked him off his high horse, if you will, to his knees, took away his sight temporarily, and gave him a permanent new insight that he never forgot, namely, that in Christ there is neither male nor female, neither slave nor free, neither Jew nor Gentile, but all are one in Christ. And from that day on, Paul became what he called a new creation, a new creation. He became an ambassador of reconciliation. Who would have thunk it? Now let me ask you a question. Because Paul says that he became a new creation. How about you? Are you a, a new creation? Is there anybody that's known you long enough that could say to me, Oh, yeah, <laughs> I knew her back when she, but now she's a new creation. Oh, I knew him when he was a young man. I could tell you some stories about him, but now he's a new creation. I'm just asking the question, if there's anything about your journey of faith across the years that has made a change in you, so that someone who knew you then and knows you now can say, she's a new creation. He's a new creation. You see, the testimony of Scripture is that anyone who is, quote, in Christ is a new creation. And that word, that phrase, in Christ, Paul uses over 170 times. And what he means by that is that anyone who is in Christ, anyone who spends time in Christ's people, the church, in worship, in the study of Scripture, in service to others. You spend time in Christ over time, you'll be changed. Just like a rock. A rock. If it's exposed over time to wind and water will be smoothed and transformed. Even the hardest human hearts can be changed over time time. If you open yourself to God's influence, you can be changed. Paul was. We can be. And here's the thing. We're made new creations for a purpose, namely to be ambassadors of reconciliation. Paul says, God has given us the ministry of reconciliation we are ambassadors for Christ, God making God's appeal through us to be reconciled. Being an ambassador of reconciliation is at the very heart of gospel living. Why? You know why. Because there's so much that needs to be reconciled in this world. I mean alienation and division and dissension are so painfully evident all around us. I think 
that one of the saddest phrases in all the English language is a three-word phrase that's usually spoken with a measure of, of aching resignation. The phrase is, we've grown apart. A couple sits with a counselor and they tell her their story. And there wasn't anything in particular, but it was a series of things that were said or not said, done or, or not done, to the point that the two who had become one are now two again. And they say, we've grown apart. The human family, according to the, the book of Acts, I memorized this in the King James Version, book of Acts says, God made from one blood all the peoples of the earth. But as you and I know, the peoples of the earth through prejudice and bigotry and the big lie of racial superiority have made a bloody mess of the human family. We've grown apart. The United States of America, we've grown apart. And how about the relationship between human beings and, and all creatures and all, and all creation? Back in the early 1700s, a Quaker artist by the name of Edward Hicks painted an iconic painting. You've seen this. It's called The Peaceable Kingdom. And he painted it, and it shows the lion lying down with the lamb and a, a child playing over the adder's den, the snake's den. And the water is pure, and the grass is green, and the trees are fruitful, and the sky is blue, and there are settlers who are standing side by side with Native Americans. I mean, it's uh, the Garden of Eden in Pennsylvania. But no more. As Paul wrote to the Romans, the whole creation is groaning in travail. Okay? Couples, countries, the human family, all creatures and creation, we've grown apart, are alienated, divided. And so it is that Paul writes, we entreat you, we beg you, in the name of Jesus Christ, be reconciled and be agents of reconciliation. Be agents of reconciliation, which brings me to one of my favorite words. I must tell you, I'm hesitant to even speak it much anymore. It's a word that has fallen out of favor. People use it pejoratively, scoff at it. Many people go to great distances uh, to distance themselves from it, but at its core, it's a good word. The word is religion. Would you agree with me? I'm just going to ask, would you agree with me that the word religion is a word that's in need of redemption? and rehabilitation. I hear people say, 
I'm a spiritual person, but I'm not religious. Translation. I believe there's more than what I can see or hear or touch or taste or smell, and I'm willing to wrestle with questions of ultimate meaning, but I don't want to have anything to do with organized religion. Or somebody says, she's really religious. Translation, she's stiff and musty smelling, and she's not much fun to be with. I hear people say, some people take their religion way too seriously. Translation, if you give yourself heart, mind, and soul to living out your faith, you'll end up as some obnoxious, overbearing zealot that's stiff and musty smelling and not much fun to be around. Do you hear what I'm saying here? To all those derogatory uses of the word religion, I just got to pause and say, could you just give me a moment and look at that word and see what it really means? The word religion, re-lig, eon. Lig is the syllable in the middle at the heart of the word religion. Lig as in Ligament. What do ligaments do? They hold things together. Right? The toe bone's connected to the foot bone. The foot bone's connected to the ankle bone. And the ankle bone's connected to the shin bone. All the way up to the neck bone's connected to the head bone. You know this. Ligaments hold our bodies together. And religion at its best is about holding everything together and mending and healing the things that have grown apart, relegging relationships between people and between the great faiths of this world and in nations and between human beings and, and all creation. Religion at its best. The big picture is this, religion, religion at its best is about bringing back together, healing and mending whatever is broken into pieces, bodies, minds, and spirits, and whatever has grown apart. Relationships, the human family, the great religions of the world, nations and all creation. And religious people are about being part of that relegging. When you think about it, Jesus' entire life and ministry was about what? Relegging. When he walked this earth, Jesus healed and mended human beings, made them whole again, relegged their best selves within them, and relegged relationships between human beings and human beings and God that had become frayed and severed. And on the cross, on the cross, Jesus' body was stretched. His ligaments were torn in order to make us whole and to reconcile us to God and each other so that Paul says, God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. And in the letter to the Ephesians, Paul says, therefore, there's that word, grow up into him and be joined and held together by every 
life-supporting ligaments. To be religious, everybody, in the best sense of the word, is not to be stiff and musty-smelling and no fun to be around. It's not to be an overbearing, obnoxious zealot that shoves what you have down other people's throats. It's not living in a way that judges and casts other people away. To be religious, in the best sense of the word, is to be an ambassador of reconciliation. Religious people, in the truest sense of the word, are people who are being made new themselves by their faith, who in turn are striving to renew everything else, religging relationships and communities and all creation. Several years ago, our larger church family, our Christian church, Disciples of Christ, did a branding effort like Tim Bischoff led us in several years ago, and our Disciples of Christ came up with a new tagline, a new um, identity statement, which was, quote, we are Disciples of Christ, a movement for wholeness in a fragmented world. Can I say that again? Because I like that. It's all about religging. We are a movement for wholeness in a fragmented world. You see, the, the job of the church, of organized religion, hello, is to bring the torn parts back together again, to mend them, to help them to heal. Long ago, the rabbis in Judaism came up with their own branding effort and a new identity for their people, the Jewish people. And in a word in Hebrew, it's tikkun olam, repairing the world. My goodness, what a calling to spend one's life striving for the repair of the world. The rabbi said, you're not required to complete the work, but you cannot desist from striving to do it. I love that. Just think, to be a practitioner of the healing arts, namely religging and repairing this world and its people, that's what we're called to do. That's what really religious people do. I remember a sermon years ago that our disciple Gene Bryce preached, and he said, one of the best gifts you can give to God is the stubborn refusal to participate in brokenness anymore. Let me say that again. One of the best gifts you can give to God is the stubborn refusal to participate in brokenness anymore. Central, I want to say this, as my Sundays are sort of winding out, and I want you to hear me say that when you are at your best, you are a people who practice real religion. You're a movement for wholeness in a fragmented world. You're repairers of the breach, ambassadors 
of reconciliation. You're all about relegging. 206 years ago when this church was founded by Barton Warren Stone, he grieved that the church that was one on the day of Pentecost had over the course of the centuries become splintered into a thousand shards. And he charged his followers to, quote, let Christian unity be our polar star, relegging the church and relegging our faith with the other great faiths of the earth. 68 years ago, when the Supreme Court made its decision, Brown versus the Board of Education that ruled that segregation of schools was unconstitutional, the elders of Central Christian Church 68 years ago wrote a welcome statement that said, Supreme Court, it's against everything God is about. And they drafted a welcome statement in the early 50s that said explicitly, all people of all races are welcome here to be members of this congregation. And 20 years later, 50 years ago, you bought a building next door that was designed in the 40s as a segregated bus station. But over the course of 50 years under Central's ownership in Christ, it has become a mission statement that welcomes one and all and ministers to everybody and anybody. And 30 plus years ago, you birthed a community worship service to take place here on the weekend of Martin Luther King Jr.'s birthday to lift up his vision of the beloved community and it's a Sunday night when this place is filled with the multi-hued tapestry of humanity. What I'm saying is across the years you've been about the work of relegging the human family. For 18 years now the Central Music Academy has ligged, brought together men and women with gifts for music with children and youth who want to hone their musical ability by giving them tuition-free lessons. And the result, as you're going to hear, is music to God's ears and ours as well. You're a green chalice congregation, relegging humanity with creation. And how many Sundays have you experienced the wonder of coming into this sanctuary? How am I going to say this? out of sorts, anxious, addled, upset, but after having spent a Sabbath day morning in Christ, in this place, in the midst of God's people, in worship and study, you leave this place somehow changed, made whole, grounded again, whole, again, relinked. Central, I want you to hear me when I say that you're a congregation that practices real religion. And so please, don't let anything, don't let anything cause you to grow apart from each other, from worshiping and studying and fellowshipping and serving together, from the mission and vision that marks this congregation across the ages, and from our God in Christ. You've been called to be religious people and to practice religion in the very best sense of the word. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us 
the ministry of reconciliation. Don't let anything grow you apart. Let all of God's ambassadors of reconciliation say.